Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to EuroNurse. We meet every Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time. If you're watching this on YouTube, great. Enjoy us. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and that like button. If this is your first time uh, joining us, be sure to check out our website at euronurse.com so you can find out more information about the program and how you might become a part of it. I'd like to take a moment just to thank a new sponsor, Glido. This is the Sajin Pharmaceuticals. They're helping to sponsor the Euronurse program so that we can keep this going on and on. So thanks. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, check out our website. There's information on how you can become a sponsor of the show. Our website is also the best place to go and find any of our previous episodes. They're all available on demand. And yep, we've got episodes, 27 of them so far up there, video on demand at any time. Enjoy them. Again, as an attendee, if you want to interact with us and you're on the Zoom program, go ahead and ask any questions that you want on the Q&A box. We take any general questions at the start of the show. Um, and feel free now to put any questions that you might have into the box and we'll go ahead and take those. Do want to say that this week's program is going to be a past president of SUNA, Marianne Wasner. I'll let her introduce herself in a moment, um, but she's working for industry now for Hollister. And she's going to tell us everything there is to know about intermittent catheters and some of the educational stuff that uh, Hollister has to offer. I think all the companies have a lot of great educational stuff for us when we're working with our patients and we really um, rely on industry a lot for their support. So it'll be a great talk coming up soon. And I think this would be a really good time to go ahead and introduce our group here. So uh, for those of you that may not know who I am, I'm Vic Sinise. I'm the producer of the show Euronurse, and I'm a urology nurse for a long time. Um, Marianne, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Marianne Wasner. As Vic said, I'm also an experienced uh, urology nurse. I've been doing this for quite uh, a few decades at, at this point, not even just years, but decades. I'm a certified urology nurse and I'm fellowed through the uh, Academy of Urologic Nurses and Associates. And I am the clinical resource manager for Hollister Incorporated and have been with the company for eight years. Oh, great. And I could never do this show without all my other great panelists. Lori, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lori Atkinson. Um, I am a certified urology registered nurse. I have been a urology nurse for 24 years now, and I currently work for Northwestern um, at Delnor in Geneva, Illinois. We just opened an office right across the street from Central DuPage Hospital in Winfield. Great. And Andrea, last but not least, certainly, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> My name is Andrea Strong. I am a urology nurse practitioner. I've been working in urology since 2010. I've done inpatient, I've done outpatient, and I'm really enjoying my job as a um, outpatient urology nurse practitioner. I'm also certified in urology as a nurse. Great, great. Glad to have everyone with us today. Um, I don't see any questions coming on, so I think we'll skip right over to our favorite stories. Uh, a couple of people have volunteered stories. I'm going to kick it off, though, with a story that I'd like to share. Coming off of our uh, previous talk from uh, a few weeks ago on medical malpractice, the one thing I have to say about the show that I find personally is that I learned something almost every week. I, I would also, I'd have to say every week I learned something new, and the malpractice talk was no exception. 
So in my day-to-day practice, I always think I'm doing the best I can in trying to, you know, get all the information into the EMR that I should. But after uh, listening to Anthony Sam talk about how important it is to have these little details into your charting, uh, I kind of registered that in my head. So recently I was doing a prostate biopsy and patient comes in, speaks Spanish. Daughters walks in with them and says, hey, do you mind if I come in? I can translate for my father. He'd be more comfortable. I said, if he's comfortable with it, I'm comfortable with it. Now, I've got to admit, in the past, my note would not have had anything about the daughter, the translation, or any of that in there. But after listening to Anthony Sam, I can tell you, my note said, patient speaks only Spanish. He was accompanied by his daughter who translated the entire consent form and answered all, all questions were answered for the patient. And this was in my notes. And I think that this is some of the things that we really can take home from Euro nurses, just these opportunities to ask people that are in the, the field what they're doing and incorporate it into our own practice. So that's my favorite story for this week. Lori, you have a favorite? Well, I don't know I if love, it's a favorite. I love Lori. It's I love definitely Lori's a story. <laughs> it seems like I have a story that comes up every week that I work, but so this kind of correlates to, to a little bit of what Mary Ann's going to talk about, kind of. Um, but there was a lady who came in for a straight cath for urine culture. And she was scheduled with one of our physician's assistants. And our physician assistant, she's only been in urology for about a year now. So she's not as experienced with catheterizations as I may be. So she had a lady, she couldn't get the catheter in. So she's like, Lori, can you help me? I just, I can't do it. So I went in there and um, I go and I, you know, normal opening up everything and and I'm looking at this and I'm like, hmm, interesting, something I've never seen before. I only see one opening, like there's one opening and I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, you know how they get really atrophied, the older ladies and stuff. And sometimes it's real small and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, I can't, I I can't do it. Like I just, I I'm putting catheters in and up and around. And I'm like, I just, so I'm sitting there thinking, I think I know what it is, but I can't guarantee it. So we actually called one of the doctors and the doctor's like, well, Lori can't get it. There's something wrong. Right. <laughs> so he goes in there and, and she ended up having severe labial adhesions. So where her urethra is, it's, I don't even know why how this lady peed because she was having problems with burning and things like that. But I mean, so basically what we were doing, we were catheterizing her rectum because that's the only thing that you could see on her because everything else has been covered up by these labial adhesions. I, we don't see a lot of that in our practice. So we ended up sending her to urogyne. But I told the doctor, all I wanted to do was like, take something and just slit where I think it's supposed to be open because it was completely closed. So that's my story. That's, wow. a, that's a great story. Uh, Lori, your story reminded me of a, a patient that I saw in clinic recently. So it's an elderly patient who has a chronic indwelling catheter. And the note said that the patient was just there with his son because he needed some medications to prevent bladder spasms with the catheter. So they came in, they said, we're just here. We just need some medicine to prevent bladder spasms because he's leaking around his catheter. 
So I did a physical assessment and found that the stat lock, and for those of you who are not familiar with the stat lock, it's a little sticker that goes on the patient's leg, and then it has a little clamp where it can keep the Foley catheter in place so that it's not tugging. It was twisted entirely around, and the catheter was was blocked by that twisting. We think it was like that for weeks. So we did some re-education, redid the stat lock. Um, turns out the patient didn't need any medication. So the moral of the story is do your physical assessments. Good, good point. Uh, we do have a comment from the audience here coming in. Uh, John Lynn said, not only should you record the presence of the daughter slash translator, but also her name, just being overly cautious, but that's what I do anyway. So yeah, good point. And, and again, I, I can't stress enough how this is not something I probably would have recorded at all. So it's really helped out. Uh, Rebecca Strickland said, new patient coming into work, reviewing the documents to get this history shows radical prostatectomy in 2015, prostate cancer 2019, radical prostatectomy 2020. Current debate at work, if this is a typo or... Yeah, radical prostatectomy in 2015 and 2020 doesn't make sense, does it? So I'm thinking that's got to be a typo. And John Lynn, daughter may not be qualified as a medical translator, by the way, just uh, covered my butt. Um, and I have to look into that to see whether there's any issue with having a family member translating. Um, I know that through Northwestern, we are not allowed to have the family members translate. We have to have uh, um, a translator. It, it can't even be, they won't even allow, like our medical assistants will speak Spanish. Yeah. They won't even allow that. It has to be a professional. So we have kind of a rolling iPad or whatever that we use with yep. translators. Our institution has in-person translators that try to come to the appointments. Sometimes they're too busy. So we also have an iPad that has um, interpreting services available. The patients are allowed to decline interpreting services at our institution, but they do need to sign a consent form um, indicating that they accept the risks of declining a professional interpreter. So there you go. Some more information. Marianne, do you have a story or do we want to get ready to just roll? I have a brief just comment. Um, go ahead. I go to a lot of the trade shows and, you know, we meet physicians, residents, nurses, nurse practitioners, you name it, come to the table. And I was pretty amazed to find out that so many of the residents would come to the table and ask about catheter and are they reusable? I'm like, these are our next generation of physicians. And we as nurses have such an opportunity to teach and educate our medical students, our residents as well as to what is best clinical practice when it comes to intermittent catheterization. Because I think we as nurses, we own that. And we have the obligation to really teach that next generation. Yeah, that is, that's a good point. All right. I don't see any other questions coming through. So Marianne, I'm going to let you switch over to take over the screen and take it away. All right. Well, Marianne, switching over, I'd like to say thanks to everybody who showed up today. April, Charlene, Diane, Donna, Joanne, John, John, Leo, Neil, Olive, Paula, Rebecca, and Susie. And if I miss somebody, you too. 
are you seeing my screen at this point? Uh, yep. Awesome. We're good. Awesome. Well, Vic, thank you so much for inviting us to um, be able to introduce you to the Hollister portfolio of hydrophilic catheters and talk about our patient support services. So who really is Hollister? Hollister has been around for over 100 years. We just had our 100th year anniversary last year, and we're an employee-owned company. So that really gives us an opportunity to really be diligent about what we do for our customer. Yes, you know, we have our own internal shareholders, but it's not like we have to do these reports out. So we want to make sure that what we're providing our customers is that they have a rewarding and dignified life. And that's our goal and our mission of our company. And you may know us for our ostomy products, but we also have continence care and critical care products. So, you know, that's who we are. And as a nurse, when I was looking to make a change from clinical practice and going into my first corporate uh, job, Hollister resonated with me when it came to my philosophies and goals for patient care. So it's just been an amazing company to work for and be able to provide these services for, for you as clinicians as well as our, our, our end users. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about some clinical background before we get into the actual catheters themselves. There's a lot of risks and burdens when we talk about catheters and associated urinary tract infections. And what we're going to find is that everybody wants to find the, you know, what causes urinary tract infections. Do you have the evidence to say that your catheters prevent infection? I wish that we were able to do that. But when we take a look, there are so many different definitions about what a UTI is across study populations, and it makes it very challenging. But most definitions, there's going to be some blood in the urine, bacteria. You may see some white cells, the different concentrations of bacteria that will be present in a culture. Then there's all signs and symptoms, and they're varying. They could be strong smelling urine. They could be painful urination. You know, when you're talking about uh, the elderly, sometimes there's that confusion that comes in. You may have increased spasticity in some of your disease processes. But one thing that I think we can all agree upon is that UTIs come from bringing microorganisms into the urinary system. Then there's those complicated and uncomplicated urinary tract infections. But when we talk predominantly about uh, UTIs with the uh, uh, catheterization, those are going to come under the complicated uh, segment. So those uncomplicated, those are your normal healthy individuals that we have one episode of a urinary tract infection. It's usually a single source bacterium. E. coli is usually the predominating um, uh, bacteria that will be presented. And this is usually treated easily with an antibiotic and they're able to recover. When you're doing intermittent catheterization or have an indwelling catheter, this is where you start to have more uh, polymicrobial uh, bacteria that arise. And this is where you, it becomes more challenging to even treat these types of uh, conditions. And we see this quite often with individuals that are performing intermittent catheterization, or even us as nurses placing catheters in, into the, to these uh, patient populations. So the complicated one, that's the one that we're going to focus on when we talk about making catheter choices moving forward. 
oops, going in the wrong direction here. So there are some things that we can't change. You know, you have a disease process that you're not going to be able to change. So in a spinal cord injured individual, you're going to have um, uh, difficulties perhaps with the bladder contracting and the sphincter, uh, sphincter relaxing and having that um, uh, synchrony of uh, urination. Multiple, the MS patient, multiple sclerosis, you may have some central nerve damage that is preventing those uh, communication signals from uh, occurring. And then you may have spina bifida as well. And this is where you're having an incoordination of the voiding mechanisms. And then we have the microbiomes, you know, just who we are, our DNA makeup. Those are some things that sometimes we just cannot change. But what can we do? We have a lot of individuals that have indwelling catheters and the ANA has an amazing tool, the streamlined tool to help us make decisions as to how we can get individuals off of catheters. And it talks about certain patient populations that should be able to maintain a catheter if necessary. But really intermittent catheterization is the way to go to try to uh, decrease the, minute, uh, the risk of these UTIs. And as I mentioned earlier in our story, we still find people that are reusing catheters. There's no really good evidence out there how to clean catheters, you know, how do you store them, all of those types of things. And I think Vic can attest back in the day, we as Suna even had different guidelines and things that we were always trying to come up with. How do you clean? How do you store? There's really no consensus in that. So this is where some difficulties will come along. Individuals have to be able to be compliant with their capping schedule. They have to have access to a bathroom. And when you go into a bathroom, sometimes they're not the cleanest places that you wanna be. I know I as well, you know, when I'm traveling quite a bit, you know, the idea of getting into that bathroom on a plane is kind of a frightening place to be. So think every time I get into a bathroom, I think about how does someone maintain their capping in this environment? And it, it is a scary place to be, and they don't always have a place to put products down. Where do you wash your hands? If you're in a wheelchair, where are you washing your hands out of the sink, and now you're wheeling into a stall? You've just touched everything after you've washed your hands. So these are types of things that we can really help and modify um, some of the things that individuals are doing. And then trauma to the urethra. Being able to do catheterizations safely and without harm. Those are things that we can modify. So I see as the, the gold standard for individuals who can't empty their bladder on their own. And the materials or the coating on a catheter make a difference. And hydrophilic coating has really been um, a, a patient option that has been well received. And why is that? Hydrophilic catheters are slippery when wet. And there is this molecule that binds to the catheters and it could be water or saline that is going to uh, hydrate that catheter itself. So patients and caregivers that have been surveyed over years have found that hydrophilics are uh, more satisfying to uh, the end user who's actually placing a catheter because of the ease of placement as well as the person who's having the catheterization is to being more comfortable. So think about if we can 
have somebody comply to their schedule, be able to insert a catheter without trauma, and we can delay that first onset of UTI, that makes a difference into the health outcomes of the, our community. And when we talk about antimicrobial resistance within our healthcare environment, that is something that we're looking at very strongly in, in the healthcare setting today. So if we can decrease the amount of antibiotics an individual is using and even uh, decrease that first time that they use it, this really makes a difference. So difference between the uncoated, this is where you're going to apply the gel, the, and it's a water-soluble gel that you would place. The hydrophilic catheters, they're ready to go, and they're hydrated with water or saline. So those are the difference between a gel-based and a hydrophilic coating catheter. So how do we help the patient to make a right choice when it comes to intermittent catheters? And I'm going to introduce you to the Hollister portfolio and start with our Vapro uh, no-touch intermittent catheter. And uh, Vapro has been in the United States since 2014, so it's not new, but it is really becoming quite used widely, especially in healthcare institutions. And uh, why is that? It's because it has 100% no-touch protection. It has a protective tip. The protective tip is this uh, translucent piece right here. And that enters the distal urethra. That comes in contact with the bacteria that resides in the distal urethra, the first 15 millimeter. Now the catheter, which is protected by a sleeve, goes into the urethra without touching that bacterial zone. So protective tip enters, that's shielding the catheter. Now you have the protective sleeve. The protective sleeve, I can touch a catheter anywhere. Whether my hands are clean, do I have to use the side of my leg to help uh, advance a catheter because I'm using the palm of my hand? Because maybe I don't have good hand dexterity. The sleeve material has been tested for bloodborne pathogen penetration. And even the smallest of viruses does not pass this uh, material. This is the same type of testing that the surgeon's glove goes through. So when we take a look at Vapro with the protective tip and the protective sleeve, you really don't need a sterile catheter in order to do an aseptic insertion. You can go ahead and use a vinyl glove that's right off of um, the counter and still maintain this aseptic insertion. So Hollister is a conservative company. For us to say that we have 100% no-touch protection, we had to make sure that we had the evidence. And uh, we're proud to be able to say that we have. So 100% no-touch protection, protective tip, protective sleeve. So we want to make products easy to use. We talk to our end users. We've talked to clinicians. And the finger hole, the round opening on the packaging itself, is really important, especially those with dexterity issues, because they can put their pinky through it. They, We have a number of people that use their teeth in order to uh, open packages and to hold things. So the ring pull makes it very easy to open a packaging. Once the package is open, there's nothing that has to be added. There's no sachets that need to be broken. No water needs to be added. 
the hydrophilic coating is ready to go in use. So that catheter is nice and lubricated and easy to insert. There is a collection bag, and that's where the plus comes from, Vapro Plus. Every time you see the word plus in Hollister, it means that it has a containment device to it. So the uh, Plus Pocket has a 1,000 milliliter bag attached to it. It's integrated at the funnel. There is an anti-reflux valve between the funnel and the bag. So if you were going to pick up that bag above the level of the bladder, you're not going to have any backflow to uh, the patient's bladder. But more importantly, if I am an end user and I'm catheterizing in my car and I go ahead and I drop this bag down onto the floor, I'm not going to have the urine rolling back onto the floor and, and causing a puddle. It's going to stay in the bag and it stays there until I'm ready to empty it. There is a perforated tear line and you're able to uh, open that easily. And now you can empty the urine into the commode to the toilet when you are ready. There is even a little stopper at the uh, before the handle that even if I'm aggressive in my pool, I'm not going to tear through the handle. And the handle on the bag makes it easy to hold on to this bag. Our end users told us that without the handle, it really makes it hard to hold on to it. It's basically like holding on to a football because it gets it, it gets really wide. The urine is sloshing around. The handle gives them that ease of use. And we as nurses, my God, we've used urinals for years. The handle just reminds me of using a urinal. So this is all integrated into this tiny little discrete packaging. So let's talk about that. It's pocket-sized. So if even if I look at this, it doesn't even look like it's a medicinal type of thing. It could be a protein shake. It could be a juice box that the kids used to use. But um, it doesn't necessarily scream out, ooh, medical device. So that's the discrete portion of it. And now you're able to stick that into your pocket. You could put it into your bag. And that no one needs to know, you know what you're doing when it comes to intermittent catheterization. No one needs to know that you're doing that process. Now, water is our uh, uh, material that we hydrate our catheters with. So even if you were to get a little bit of a, a drop on your clothing, it's not going to stain. It's going to dry clear. So that's important. You know, you're coming out of a bathroom. You don't want to have uh, lots of wet on you or any kind of staining that's going to occur on your clothing. So those things are important. And the catheter bag is flexible enough where it can conform, conform to the fit of your pocket without being uh, protruding or bulky. So something that's we've just released, and we uh, did that late last 20, in 2022, in uh, November, actually, we have now Vapro Pocket. So it has the 100% no-touch protection, but it doesn't have a bag to it. Individuals, not everybody wanted the bag when it comes to um, uh, emptying their bladder. Sometimes they like the plus version when, you know, if they're out tailgating and they can't get into one of the uh, blue stalls that they would use the bag. Others like to be able to empty directly over to the to the toilet themselves. So now you have the Vapro pocket. It still has the protection, it has the ease of use, and it has discretion. Now when we talk about Vapro 
pocket and Vapro Plus pocket, these all come under the billing category with Medicare for A4353. So when we talk about A4353 for uh, requirements for Medicare, this is for Medicare only, is that you have to have a documented urinary tract infection and you have to have uh, a culture and signs and symptoms of that urinary tract infection documented in the medical record. And you have to do that twice within a 12-month period of time in order to qualify for some of the um, uh, 53 categories. But that's not the only reason why you could qualify. <clears throat> if the individual is in a nursing home setting, if an individual has vesicle ureteral if they're a female during their SCI, um, uh, if they're a uh, SCI female during pregnancy, they qualify. So there's many reasons why an individual can get uh, this level of catheter. It's not just the urinary tract infection that many of us think about. But what's important? Documentation. And I think we've been talking about documentation so much over the the course of the day, as well as other uh, Euronurse episodes. So getting documentation of signs and symptoms of your clients, as well as making sure that you're documenting those cultures. And they may not even be getting some of these things in your practice, but try to get those things that might be, have been done within urgent care or from their primary care office. Because many times these are solutions to having compliance and being able to have a healthy life, all we have to do is help our, our clients. We have to just make sure that we're able to capture the, uh, the information that is required. So what happens when we have a gentleman who is having some difficulties passing a catheter because of some obstruction or some stricture formation? There are coudes that are available as well. And that's that curved tip. And that really helps us to bypass that prosthetic urethra. And um, Vapro is a, a great option for those gentlemen who are having difficulty passing their catheter. Plus, you have 100% no-touch protection. You've got the protective tip, <clears throat> excuse me, and the protective sleeve. And still have the coude um, option here. And newly released is the pocket version of this. I know that many uh, of you have seen our original Vapro Coudé and it had the more longer traditional type of packaging. This is being newly released and you should be able to start seeing these from your dealer partners in, in the next few days. So this is our newest and greatest. It's all about discretion. We want to make sure people can be compliant. So Reimbursement. A4352 is the category for Medicare and um, not difficult to be able to get this type of documentation. You would have to say that the individual has attempted to do intermittent catheterization using a straight tip catheter, but was unable to pass it due to, and that's where you would write your obstructive type of note. So that would be your qualifier. So A4352. It's a curvy number, curvy tip. That's how I'm able to remember this category. So documentation is key. Think of April Coudé, 100% no-touch protection with the, with the curved tip and a pocket version. Great option. 
So we have um, our only product, and this is our A4351 category product. <clears throat> it comes in both um, male and female lengths. So this product has gone through some improvements. You may have seen only for several years, but we've done some improvements to it. What have we really liked about this product over the years is that it was ready to use right out of the packaging. It was pre-hydrated, it's hydrophilic coating, it's easy and touch reinsertion. There's this ergonomic ripper that is on the 16 inch light catheter. And I'll tell you, teaching is key. We had um, a medical assistant at one point said, I didn't know what that was. I actually took it off and throw it away each and every time. So knowing how to use this gripper is important when we teach our um, end users. If you're savvy enough and you only touch that ergonomic gripper, look at, you're never touching a catheter. You're able to grab a hold of that ergonomic gripper and it slides back and forth. And I personally, when I'm teaching gentlemen how to catheterize, I like to take the ergonomic ripper and put it down closer to the tip of the catheter itself, because now I have better control of inserting that catheter. So then you, you pinch, you slide, you pinch, you slide, you never touch the catheter itself. So that's what the ergonomic ripper is for. On the shorter length catheter, being that, um, you know, it's a, a less distance from the funnel to the tip, you really don't need the gripper on there. Actually, it would interfere with the uh, usefulness of the catheter, the effective length. But the funnel itself has a nice grip to it, and it's easy to be able to insert that and not touch the catheter as well. So what's changed? What we wound up doing is instead of a, um, a, a packaging that would open like the FedEx, it's now this two-hole peel apart. So it makes it easy to open. And you're seeing that you've got that uh, funnel and the ergonomic gripper that exposes first. And that's where I grab a hold of that uh, uh, gripper and undock it from the funnel. And then it makes it easy for me to go ahead and remove it from the packaging and not touch the catheter at all. The packaging material is lighter in weight right now. So that, that's um, a good thing when you're carrying around a lot of product with you, as well as for the uh, environment. So the coating on the hydrophilic catheter for only is more lubricious, and that's been a change on our product itself. And also the catheter itself does not look milky any longer. It has a nice clear look to it. And clinicians said that they really like that because if there's any blood or if there's any sediment or any changes in the urine, they're able to see that because it is now clear. And then, of course, the environment is so important. And um, when we take a look at less uh, amount of materials into the trash, that's important. And how the products are, are uh, made. So there is no PVC, no DEHP, and no phthalates in, in the product at all. For our women, we like to be special. And uh, something that I heard at some of the conferences when they see our Infina Chic intermittent catheter is they say, oh, that's the sexy catheter. Is that a catheter? What is that? So for women, we like to have something a little bit feminine and discreet. 
And that's what Infina Chic is. And this catheter was designed by women. And when you take a look at it, you would never know that this is a medical device. Many people think of it as a cosmetic. Um, someone who actually was getting some of these samples sent to them from our Secure Start said, hey, you didn't send me catheters, you sent me tampons. So you take a look at it, you really don't know what it is. And I have a great story to share. Discreet is important. There was a... Um, a a guard at a uh, prison that she was a, a, catheter, a catheter user and she had to carry everything in a clear backpack when she would come into work every day. She didn't want to catheterize and she wasn't maintaining her cathing schedule because she didn't want anybody knowing that she had to do this. Infina Sheik made a difference to her. When she saw Infina, she, she's like, oh my God, no one needs to know my business. No one needs to know that I'm doing intermittent catheterization. And Infina Sheik was something that she used in order to her, for herself to be compliant with her schedule because of the discreet look of the packaging itself. So take a look at how we open that. You flip the top. You can do that with your thumb. So that's that one-handed operation. Once you take the catheter out of the packaging, there's little grippers on there, so it's not going to slip out of your hands. And the catheter length itself is now at 5.5 inches, so you're able to access the bladder with ease. Once you're done catheterizing, you can go ahead and put that back into the container, flip the lid shut, and then you can dispose of that in your own personal home trash where no one needs to know that you're doing intermittent catheterization itself. So this product also has now the new lubrication to it. It's more lubricious. The catheter tube is clear. We've gained a little bit of length on the catheter. It's at 5.5. And this catheter is under the A4351 billing code along with only. So all you have to do in order to qualify for Medicare is to uh, have to use the catheter to empty your bladder for over a three-month period of time, and you qualify for the coverage for uh, the E4351 category of catheters. Going back, environment is important to us. So people would look at the container and say, oh, I'm concerned about waste. If you take that catheter out, the pink container can be recycled. It is made with 11% less plastic, and again, PVC-free catheter. So catheters are not enough. You get these catheters. Somebody has taught you how to do catheterization. How do I get my product? How do I um, turn to someone who has, has expertise in the product that my clinician has provided to me? How do I figure out what my insurance is going to cover or not cover? And how do I figure out who's my dealer partner to work with? That's what Secure Start is about. Secure Start is a program that was uh, developed off of our Ostomy product line from Secure Start Services. And we brought it into our continence care product line. And this is not new. We've been doing this for over 20 years. Finding the right products is still important. 
So being able to be an end user for a long period of time, sometimes things change for me. By going into Secure Start, having that trusted uh, a coordinator that I work with on a regular basis, I can share some of the things that have changed with me. What happens when my insurance changes? You know, as a healthcare provider in the clinic, I may not know all of the um, ins and outs of, of insurance coverage, and that's okay, and you shouldn't have to. That's what Secure Start is there for you. They can help figure out the individual's insurance and how to navigate the system so that they can get coverage for their catheters. Because there are some insurance policies that may not even have DME coverage. How do they figure out how to get these catheters covered? Secure Start can help work through that. And then there's educational materials. So uh, we have materials on neurogenic bladder, lifestyle, you know, what is intermittent catheterization? How do I incorporate it into my work life? How do I incorporate it into family life? So there's a newsletter that an individual will get on a regular basis. And those are some things that are benefits of uh, using Secure Start services. The other thing is that supplier option. Sometimes what will happen is you'll have a, a certain insurance and the different DME partners that we work with, some have contracts within their um, respected states that they live in, some do not. Some hold Hollister products, some do not. So we'll help the end user uh, make a decision as to which DME would be their best option. Hollister does not direct what DME they will use. We will just help them to make choices as to what works best for their insurance, that matches with their DME, that matches with their catheter. This is all a free service, and this is something that we as Hollister are very proud of and really feel that it's making a difference in the lives of, uh, of our patients who need to use intermittent catheters. Follow us on social media. We've got um, uh, different places. Get on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're on YouTube. we got YouTube videos and Twitter. So watch us on social. That's what I have and open to questions and comments at this point. It's really great, Marianne. I'm going to have you switch off of the share so that we can bring up our panelists. All right, there we go. And I had a couple of questions. Uh, the no-touch coverage, um, is that for people that have had uh, recurrent UTIs, documented U two UTIs, or that anybody could get a no-touch? It, it really depends on your insurance. And we think of Medicare guidelines in a lot of our practices, and that's where you would need those requirements of the uh, urinary tract infections to within a 12-month uh, period documented. Not all insurances follow the Medicare guidelines. There are individual insurance plans that will allow you to make the choice right from the beginning. So you're able to start right with a Vapro product with some of the private insurances. So this is where understanding the insurance coverages is important. Um, we've even had some of the uh, uh, workman's comp. A lot of those will cover Vapro immediately. And think about the immunocompromised patient population. 
there's a lot of people that are on immunosuppressive drugs. And if you can go ahead and document that, you, you can get these individuals qualified. Now, you may get a, you know, a, a question back and you might have to go back and you know, make a statement as here's my medical record, here's my documentation of what's going on with this individual. Okay, so that was my misunderstanding. I thought you had to have the two documented UTIs. I know some of the catheters require that for the no-touch type, but uh, I think to me that just looks like a, a great catheter. It, it's well-received. And, you know, if, if you're struggling with getting coverage for that, talk to Secure Start Services, and they can help work through some of those um, ins and outs of what needs to be done, as well as your sales representatives in your area. They're very well knowledgeable of um, trying to get coverage. All right, great. Um, I do see we have got some questions and answers uh, boxes lighting up here, so I'm going to take a few of those. Uh, John Lynn said, great presentation, Marianne. He loves the Vapro Plus in pocket. So, yeah, I think that's great. And then uh, John Lynn, just in case you're not familiar with him, he's a urologist out of Arizona. And he also has a Facebook group uh, called the Thriving Urology Practice. And he's done some reviews on this. And he was just mentioning that. So you can check that out at his uh, Facebook post. Uh, Rebecca said, I love the Infachick. Looks like a fancy eyeliner. Infina chic. Infina chic. Infina chic. <laughs> I, I got to get my friend chic. <laughs> it is. It's it, this particular catheter. Um, we were just at one of the um, uh, SWIU conference and one of the residents actually took the catheter and had it at her table while she was in the conference room. And everybody kept coming up to her and said, what is that? And she was, it's an intermittent catheter. Everybody was coming back to the booth to take a look at this because it is different and it is discreet. And as a woman, that's important to me. Yeah. And I, I got to admit, you know, I mean, we get a lot of reps that come into the office and they're all talking about their different products and why they're better and why this and that. But I don't really always have the time to kind of look and dive into things where this this was really the presentation to me was great. It was just kind of I learned a few things about Hollister products that I didn't always catch. And even when you walk by, you know, at a SUNA meeting and you go by the booths, you know, you're just kind of going through booth after booth. So you don't really get to spend that deep dive time, which is what I uh, strive for this program to provide. And it was, it's really uh there's a lot of innovation. I hope to not have to ever have to be a user, but if I did, I know what the old day was like. And that's uh, what I think Hollister we're very proud of is our innovation and listening to our customer. And as a private company, we have that luxury to be able to do that. And you know what? We would love every patient to be on a Hollister product, but it may or may not be right for everyone. But knowing what options are there, and giving it a try. That's what's key. That's what's important. Yeah. And I, and I kind of put this one out to our panelists that are here, uh, Andrea and Laurie. My personal feeling is, you know, I've had companies come in and just give us a bag of different catheters. You know, they're, they rep, don't represent any particular company and they'll just say, you know, I'll give this to the patient, let them try out and see which works best for them. And I don't like that, that way to teach patients. I think you need to have the clinician decide what's the best catheter that's probably going to work best for this patient, looking at things like dexterity. Uh, what are the thoughts at the panel level, 
any uh, I, I totally agree. We get the bags of the variety of catheters. And number one, it's already overwhelming for the patient to even learn how to use one, let alone try multiple. So I try to, to start with the easiest and figure out what kind of problems they have and then kind of tweak it that way. But I never introduce them more than one initially. Um, try this. If it's not working, let me know why it's not working. We'll try something else. But that's just too overwhelming for them. Yeah. And my patient population focuses on uh, neurologic patients. So many of them are, are not going to be able to use regular catheters. And I think it's important to point out, you know, I can think of some patients off the top of my head who were sent to me um, for neuro-uro issues, um, some incomplete patients with incomplete quadriplegia, just with suprapubic catheters or chronic indwelling catheters have been told, well, you can't do CIC. So this is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. And we've been able to transition some of those patients over to intermittent catheterization using specialty products such as the Vapro plus pocket. So keep that in mind with your patient population. Those are great points. And I just wanted to share a little story. One of uh, uh, the nurse practitioners in one of the practices I worked with, and we actually have a case study of this on, um, on Hollister.com. There was a spina bifida woman in her 20s that kept going into the emergency room with chronic urinary tract infections, hospitalized numerous antibiotics. No one actually took the time to do a deep dive into what this individual was doing. How was their catheterization schedule? What were they doing? What was their technique? The nurse practitioner who was uh, in, came across this individual in the ER said, you need to come back to my clinic. In the clinic, she had the individual show them how she was catheterizing, had her bring the product that she was using, and found out that this woman only knew how to catheterize laying down. That's what she learned as a child. She never knew that she could catheterize sitting up. So she didn't comply to her schedule. Her technique was less than stellar, had a really hard time locating the urethra. The nurse practitioner took the time to educate, used a Vapro product, this woman is now without infection. She's living her life. She got into a relationship and she's a mom now and moving on with her life as well because a nurse took the time to examine and to make a recommendation, not just keep passing them off. Here's an antibiotic. Come see me back whenever. Isn't that the key? The fact that you just need to take the time. This yeah. is a great segue into this next question Joanne Smith sent in. What are some tips and techniques for teaching women CIC? There's so many different ways of doing intermittent catheterization. And it really depends on the um, ability to sit upright. Can they transfer onto a commode? Are they catheterizing sitting? Or they can catheterize uh, standing. Some women like to just bring their leg and put it up onto the toilets, the side of the toilet itself and then catheterizes, they hover over the toilet. So that by putting the leg up onto the, to the seat itself, you're able to already kind of open up part of that labia. And then you're able to place the catheter very similar to when you're placing a tampon. And one of the things when you're doing intermittent catheterization, a lot of people 
don't understand where the urethra is. So being able to show them their anatomy and where is the urethra in uh, uh, adjacent to the vaginal opening and you want to go up. So when you're uh, doing catheterization, I almost tell them it's almost like doing a, uh, a, a stitch. If you've ever sewed, you're going to come upward with that catheter because you want to come up right underneath the pelvic bone. So that's where you're able to feel in time. You can feel where that pelvic bone is and you're going to come up right underneath that. The other thing is sometimes people will sit backward on the toilet. So like facing back towards the wall, and that's where they're able to catheterize because now you're getting your legs abducted just by sitting on the commode itself. That is just the natural way of doing it. If someone needs to catheterize in the supine position, getting those legs into a frog leg, that will help to open up the, the, the labia as well. Yeah, very good. Um, John Lynn just added a couple comments here. You can learn more about the online, only, only, I can mispronounce this, only catheter on YouTube. There are some, uh, you find everything on YouTube, can't you? And Absolutely. also, he's a big fan of the Secure Start program. He said it's really been a beneficial for his patients. I think that these are some things that we always need to look into mm -hmm. is the programs that you guys offer for us to make our life easier. So we're not stuck on the phone calling all these insurance questions, et cetera. Absolutely. You have so many things going on in your life. And if, if we could take one phone call away from you, that makes a difference in your day. And if we can help guide a catheter question that maybe you're not even familiar with how to use that, that particular catheter that maybe you've recommended. So let us take that away from you. And John, thank you for your support and um, uh, keep, keep the word going. And do you guys still have that? I, I think you showed me at a meeting, there was a card set of like anatomical pictures that we could we use as a teaching do. tool. We do. We have a lot of different teaching tools that are out there. But in Fina Chic, we do have a card set. And one of the favorite cards within that set is an anatomical card. And you, you can uh, use this card set in order to go through an entire teaching program without having words, because there's a lot of translation things that can occur when we talked about, you know, using translators in our practice. The card set is universal. There are no words, all images, and you're able to put a hand-washing card. How do you get clothing down? How do I go ahead and open a packaging? How do I access my urethra? Where is my urethra? What do I do afterwards? Hand-washing again. So the card set is customized to how you teach your clients. And you take an image of it on their phone and they're able to now take that back home with them. So some individuals need assistance when it comes to doing intermittent catheterization. And in the home, there's a lot of transition that goes, a lot of different caregivers. They take that and they're able to uh, put it up onto a wall in, in their home. And now the caregiver who's coming in knows how to use the catheter itself or how, even how to catheterize. Yeah. I like that idea about the take a picture of the card. Now, how do we get a hold of these cards? Oh, your sales rep, Hollister.com. We, we can help you through that. You know, it's funny, um, Marianne, I was going to ask, uh, me being in a newer practice, I haven't seen a Hollister rep yet. And so how do I go about getting in touch with one? Get a hold of me. 
and I'll make sure that you're connected. We're, we've gone through some uh, new people. We've got new people that are joining us. So I'll make sure that you're connected with your representative. Thank you. Now we do have Marianne. kind of a net nationwide uh, audience. Can they all get in touch with you, Marianne? Hey, I, if you have a question about how to get a Hollister product or who to contact, I, please reach out to me. Oh, good. Marianne, I have a question. I practice in Wisconsin and I have a lot of males who are doing intermittent catheterization. It's a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing here, um, a lot of ice fishing. And I had a recent question come up from a patient. He said, well, I'm going to go out and do some ice fishing. It's very cold. If I leave my hydrophilic catheter sitting out, is it going to change the hydrophilic properties? I wasn't sure. And maybe we don't have the scientific evidence yet, but is there concerns about the properties of the hydrophilic catheters changing in extreme heat or extreme cold? Andrea, great question. When we talk about hydrophilic products, they really shouldn't be in extreme temperatures. You don't want anything melting. You don't want to be frozen. So individuals who are doing intermittent catheterization, almost like if you were carrying your insulin, using an insulated pouch is some, uh, something that is helpful. So if you use even one of your cooler bags or something, you can put those in and, and maintain that temperature. And the other thing too, is if it had been out and frozen, if they would just warm it to room temperature before they would use the product itself, that's what I would recommend. Okay. Yeah. When I was talking with the patient, we decided together, he would just tuck it in his coat so it didn't get too cold, but. I have an ice fishing family myself. I don't understand sitting out <laughs> over a hole in sub-zero weather, but they love it. And we have to make sure that individuals can comply with their schedule, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really about quality of life. So I want him to be able to do what he loves and that's ice fishing. So Beautiful. he can continue doing that. Beautiful. Well, this has been a great discussion. I really enjoyed uh, having you as a presenter today. Hope you'll join our panel down the line again. Um, do want to make a reminder next week we have the uh, representatives from Poesis Medical coming in. This is a catheter that John had talked to us about a while back called the Duet catheter, uh, kind of innovative design. I'm interested in hearing more about it where we've had these issues where catheters get stuck to the bladder, it has a double balloon. So they're going to talk about that next week. In the meantime, if you haven't had enough of us and who can get enough of your own nurse, there is the after party that comes on right after the show. Feel free to go to our website at euronurse.com, hit that big red button that says after party and be instantly transported to this fun after party where we discuss everything that you don't need to have to have a formal conversation about. Any questions, game, you want to just talk about whatever you want. Um, we're glad to be there for you. Otherwise, it's a nice sunny day here in Chicagoland area. Hopefully it's nice by you guys. And I hope everybody has a nice uh, Super Bowl party safe. And again, thanks thanks to all my uh, panelists who showed up again today. Can't do this without you. And thanks to everybody else that came as an audience. And for those of you that want to join us in the after party, see you there. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Mary.